0: Welcome to another episode of Kendall vs. Kendall. I'm Jeff Kendallweed, and my other co host, Seth Kendall, is not able to make it, but luckily we're joined by Sander Rigney of Rockshocks. Great Hi to Jeff. have you. How great are, great are you, Sander? Doing very well. How are you? Excellent, thanks. So we're here at the Sea Otter Classic, an event that's been sponsored by SRAM for as far back as I can remember, and I've been to every one since 96, so. That's a good record. (laughs) That's pretty solid. Um, First off, what's your title over at RockShox? My title is Vice President
1: for RockShox, so I'm part of SRAM's senior management team responsible for kind of all things
0: RockShox. Excellent, and where do you work out of?
1: I'm based out of our Colorado Springs office, where we do most of the product
0: development for RockShox, as well as a number of other functions for SRAM from that office. Cool. Well, first off, I think a lot of people are kind of curious. How do you end up in a role like that? So, uh, it's you know, I'm, I'm maybe a little curious myself of that, because if I uh,
1: would have ever plotted that this was going to happen for me, I probably would have never seen it go this way. But uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, to have a, originally a summer job working in our shipping department for RockShox back in 1993 when we were doing manufacturing in uh, Mountain View, California. Stayed in, in contact with a lot of people and got some racing in college uh, out of my blood and came back in, in uh, 1998. Um, since then, had the uh, the pleasure of doing a lot of different things uh, with the company, um, working in our dealer service group, did technical training, uh, uh, aftermarket sales, uh, wrote our technical manuals, things like that. Did product management and uh, then category management. Then about two years wow. ago, uh, moved to an, into a, a vice president role as part of SRAM's senior management.
0: Awesome. And I take it you're a very fanatic cyclist.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, it's it's uh been into bikes my whole life. Um, my uncle owned a bike shop. Uh, my my, my brother, my dad, real passionate riders. Uh, my dad, you know, today is still. Uh, uh, does a lot of work with Imba and trail building, and and so it's just sort of always been part of uh, the family as long as I as long as I've been around.
0: Awesome! So it's a full lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Well, so I think Rockshox has seen a lot of changes over the years. Um, you've been through a couple different of the locations too. Um, over the years, how many as you've been in these different spaces? How many of the employees generally ride mountain bikes? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Today we've got a, a, a
1: high percentage of the employees in Colorado Springs that that ride in 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 some way. Okay. Um, you know, I won't say that everybody is a diehard sure. uh mountain biker, but um, you know, most of the the, the office is going to you know ride some sort of
0: bike at at some point. Cool. So, Sander, how many locations does SRAM have, and what happens at each of those locations? Wow, I'd have to... We can do a quick
1: uh, global tour. Where do we want to start? And I'll hope that I don't miss anybody. (laughs) Let's start in your office. Yeah, well, well, um, I'm going to start from actually where I uh, just came from uh, yesterday, which was uh, in uh, Taichung, Taiwan. Uh, So we've got a development center and a large manufacturing location uh, in Taiwan. Um, Moving kind of... uh, direction is that? Eastward. Uh, On the west coast here we've got our San Luis Obispo office that's primarily drivetrain development Mm -hmm. where we do a lot of the the, Truvative development but then cranks and chain rings are done in, in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Colorado Springs. The easy way to think of that one is uh, products that have fluid in them. Okay. Um, so we do we do uh, uh, suspension development. We do hydraulic uh, brakes. So road and mountain are both done from that location. That's the center for our our, our mountain bike uh, sports marketing activities as well. We've got some other function space there. Spearfish, South Dakota. Oh, yeah. A uh, lot of uh, the the uh, kind of almost think of it as an incubator for some of our electronic uh, and data technology. So uh, power meter development, shock whiz, tire whiz, done from the, those location from okay. that location. Uh, well, let's see what's next. Next up, we've got uh, our corporate headquarters in Chicago. Um, so development-wise, that's a lot of uh, road product development. Um, we've also got industrial design. Uh, primary corporate functions, finance, HR, typically based there. Okay. Uh, continuing on eastward from there we 've got Indianapolis, uh, so uh, wheel development uh, as well as manufacturing for uh, for carbon wheels so zip our new uh, three zero moto wheel comes out of that from a manufacturing location as well okay okay, so I think we 've run to the end of North america yeah so we 'll jump over the water um, from a development standpoint, I guess ne- next up would be. Uh, uh, Coimbra, Portugal, okay. where we do chain development and manufacturing for all of our chains done out of that location. And then development-wise, I guess we would end up in Schweinfurt, Germany, where we do uh, more drivetrain development, um, uh, you know, it kind of touches on all parts of drivetrain as we as we have more um, drivetrain systems approach, but a lot of uh, manufacturing, or not manufacturing, uh, design uh, for uh, mountain bike um, components is done there. Beyond those, touching on the development locations. Uh, we also have uh, sales and support located in uh, Chambry, France, uh, Nykirk, in the Netherlands. Wow. Uh, we've got a technical center in the UK as well. And I think I think that might cover all of our locations. That's a lot po- of locations. I apologize <laughs> to any SRAMies
0: out there. If I skipped <laughs> over your location, I'm sorry. Uh, but I think I nailed them all there. With nearly a dozen there, yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be an easy mistake to make. Um, I know product development is huge for SRAM. It's, it's quite clear if you look at the range of products. So one thing I wanted to ask is, um, with all the requisite testing and development, how hard is it to keep the new stuff secret? Uh, you know, w- w- we try
1: really hard. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that the bike industry doesn't have as, uh, we'll call it rabid of a media as, uh, we'll say the automobile world. Yeah. The is.
0: paparazzi is not as strong.
1: Yes. Uh, cause it, it, honestly it would be pretty easy to find some of our stuff you know we're we're really lucky um in a lot of our development locations that we have great riding in very close proximity uh you know from from uh uh the springs office you know we can we can hit trails literally right from our parking lot nice and so it wouldn't be too hard to uh find yourself you know out on the trails and and seeing the new development we've all gotten pretty good at at, at the art of distraction you know if you find somebody's looking at your bike kind of close you know uh uh e- 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 you know how to position yourself in a way to yeah. block it we've got Hey, look
0: at that eagle yeah uh, no we' pun did, intended we did
1: we did a great <laughs> job this year uh everybody was looking at us crazy for like the past year and a half at why were we using seat bags on all of our uh <laughs> all of our bikes uh was a great way of hiding the development for the reverb access. Um, we've also used uh, modified uh, beer koozies to hide rear shock development. Ah. Fork is the one that's uh, that's that's a pretty tough one to hide. Yeah. Um, you know we always joke about the whole blind testing. It's pretty difficult to actually test stuff blind, but you know you do your best to kind of be discreet about what what you what you're testing and where you're testing.
0: So, do you guys ever have test riders that are comparing various different forks, and you not tell them what's different between them, but ask them for d- reports of how they feel?
1: Yeah, all, all the time. And actually, um, it's really great now. Um, what you know, we're we're on the suspension side of things. I can I can talk a lot of specifics about that. You know, our, our engineers, um, nearly all of them, are, are incredibly talented riders in addition to being really you know great creative engineers. Um, and so they they ride, they test their own products. Um, at the same time right you kind of want an unbiased view mm-hmm. and so um we've actually developed a pretty great crew we've got some really strong uh riders that work in some of the other functions so one of our our uh, uh, our programmers for our our just you know Back end business systems uh, in Colorado Springs. Really great rider, and so you know he has no view of what's going on from the technology development side of things. But we'll pull him and we'll bring him on test trips, and he works. He 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 acts as is a, a kind of great neutral rider for us. We can give him competitive product to ride and kind of get a feel for that. Switch it out to our products, and um, so so it's
0: fun. You know we try to we try to enlist the full team as we do our our developments. Of course, awesome. How much input does the engineering team have with the marketing team? Uh, you know, I think we we approach it as a team. Okay. Um,
1: you know, from a from a, yeah, I can I can speak details about suspension, but we we really kind of work this way across RAM that we have a team that's responsible for an area of development that includes. A product manager that looks at you know what's the what's the vision for the product what's the, what's the the market possibilities and and all that um, we've got a, a team leader that kind of coordinates activities between you know all the parties we've got design engineers we've got uh, process engineers they're all really working together okay. to uh, you know define what the what the next thing is 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 going to be and so it really is a team the team is is uh, you know getting getting aligned behind what uh, targets for projects are gonna be, mm-hmm. and uh, and then, then then committing to you know, everything from what the, the specifications, the features, the performance, timelines, and all that kind of stuff as we, we commercialize
0: products. Nice. So I've worked in a handful of companies within the bike industry, and none of them have actually had a vice president. So do you have to help work between the marketing and the engineering teams and help facilitate more communication, or is that part of one of your roles? Yeah, you know,
1: uh, our teams work really well together. So I, I wouldn't say uh, my role is to facilitate. Really, okay. I, I look at my role as, as to remove roadblocks and obstacles, gotcha. right? And, and and whether that's, uh, you know, making sure that, um, you know, people have the latest computer or if their cell phone breaks, right, that they're able to get a new one from that. Signing expense reports to just sharing, you know, my few points and experience from, from, from working in the bike industry
0: and from working at RockShox for such a long time, you've probably got a really good 10,000 foot broad view of where it's been, where it's going. I, you know, I, I do get pulled into if there's ever history questions, um, you know, I become the archive for, for the archive. those things. So <laughs> awesome. One thing that I'm really excited to ask about, um, looking at the widespread adoption of one by drivetrains, seeing how long drop dropper posts have become very normal, seeing it how well accepted boost and therefore stiffer wheel sets have become, um, have you seen any shifts in the target demographic in terms of riding ability over, say, the past decade? Basically, has have the riding public have they gotten better on their bikes? Uh, you know, it's tough to say if they've gotten better. Um, you know.
1: I think every one of us can look at the level of riding that we see across you know everything right and and clearly people are going they're going faster but you you think about what bikes today right they're 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 so much more confidence inspiring they give you so much more control they allow you to ride in different places places that you know 10 20 years ago were kind of unimaginable sure um and i think i think it's just the 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 capability of of the products have just just made
0: you know what's available to us so much bigger and broader awesome uh we often think of new bike developments in terms of complete bikes or new frame technology does it ever feel like new advancements in componentry get less buzz than the frame developments we we think oh sorry I, I, i don't think of do you want me to restate that question? No, uh, I'm just arguing with your question. That's and fine. I don't, fine. I don't, <laughs> I don't think
1: on. of uh, new development just as being frame. I, you know, I, I, but I live okay. in a world where I'm hyper focused on suspension. Yeah, and yeah, I, you know, I think I think you know, obviously, right? For 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 most of the buying public, mm-hmm. they go buy a bike, and you know, I think we look at uh, we look at our role, right? A big part of our role is to help. Uh, you know the bike brands make their products better, and so uh, that's a key focus for us and how we look at, at projects and what we're going to do. Right? We have we have we have open conversations with with the bike brands. Um, uh, you know, f- for me and my my team of product managers, we spend a lot of time uh, just out riding bikes with bike brands with 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 riders, just trying to collect feedback sure. and try to understand where, where where things are going but um i don't I, I don't think it overshadows the component developments okay um but I, I think we look at it as there's just you know there's 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 a lot of technology development that exists in the bike world today and it's, sure. it makes it fun and exciting to be
0: honestly the suspension stuff is far more in your face and visible than like some of the drivetrain parts for instance so i originally designed that question more like thinking about a derailleur or a hub, maybe a cassette, something that's a little bit more hidden from eye that gets probably less fanfare than something like a fork is very obvious. You see it quite often on your bike. You're climbing. You look down. A shock, you feel quite often, too. So less so. But I'm curious to ask that question to some of the more drivetrain-focused brands out there, because they might have a little bit different of an answer. Sure. Interesting. So say in 20 years, someone's looking back at 2019 and earlier in the bike industry. What kind of a legacy do you want them to see with RockShox?
1: Well, let's see. Hopefully, I'm going to still be around at that point. Um, I I think, you know, we talk a lot about who we want the brand to be and and all those great things. And I think one of the things that we look at with RockShox, you know, I think we we view it as um, it's our responsibility to improve comfort traction control for riders uh we want we want people to enjoy the experience um we want it to be confidence inspiring right and 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 we think we can do that with what we do with with suspension we love the fact that we play to um a large customer set right that we're not just focused on high end right that that we want to be able to take that experience to newer riders bringing more people into the sport right whether that's um uh you know, adults or or even kids, right? And I think we wanna we wanna create help create a a, a sport that people can, you know, have a a lifelong appreciation for. I've been fortunate that, you know, I've I've kind of lived in and around the bike world my my whole entire life. And uh, I think we really wanna we wanna continue to help expand the market, allowing more people to have that, that great fun experience that we all get out of riding bikes.
0: And, you know, I think that's really consistent, too, with RockShox being the first brand to really legitimize front suspension at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sponsored by competing companies from RockShox, but I think all of them would look back and say, you know what? We probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that RS1. Yes. Yes. That's super cool. Um, how has it been working with World Bicycle Relief? What kind of satisfaction do you get out of that relationship?
1: It's, it's, it's really fun. Um, it, and it becomes uh, something that our employees really get inspired by and are able to participate directly in. Uh, we do a number of fun events throughout the years at various locations. Um, our location in Colorado Springs, um, you know, there's a lot of individual activities that occur, um, you know, just from, from, from people working, you know, support events and things like that. But, but our key event that we do every year is an open house uh, for the, the Colorado Springs Development Facility. It's the only time of the year that uh, we open our doors to the public. We do tours of the facility, allow people to come in, uh, see our work environment, they get to see the test lab. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, potentially granting some secrets to our competitors, but you know what? If they're willing to come and pay the, 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 the entry fee, the donation to World Bicycle Relief, we'll let them see our test lab, we'll let them see that. No photos, so they're gonna have to remember what it looks like. Uh, but it's fun. You know, we do a great carnival. We bring kids in. Uh, cool. It's it's a, it's a really fun time, and it's really something that helps pull uh, our facility, SRAM, together around helping make the world a better place through
0: bicycles. Excellent. And like I mentioned earlier before, uh, before we sat down here, I kind of saw three main suspension pieces as being big turning points for RockShox. You might see it very differently, so I'm curious to ask. I noticed the pike really taking the market by storm in say 2013, 14, right around there. Yeah. How yeah. was it on your end of things with getting that to market, and how was it on your side of the fence with presenting it?
1: Yeah, so that was that was a fun project. Um, you know, I think I think we would look at it right that, that there was kind of a, a legacy of, of Pike, right? And, and and actually, that was one of the first product development projects for Rockshox after SRAM acquired them. Oh, really? Pike okay. and Reba.
0: Pike, the first generation. The of The first generation okay. of Pike
1: okay. and Reba were the first uh, all new ground up product okay. development projects after SRAM acquired us. And, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, we kind of looked at it. There were a lot of things with that original Pike that we thought were kind of really future looking. Um, at that point, nobody was looking at, um, you know, through axles for a trail bike. Yeah, didn't right?
0: have a 20 mil through it axle? It had,
1: had a 20 mil. That was when we introduced the max. Yeah. The first, you know, kind of all in one uh, quick release through axle, um, you know, kind of bigger, beefier mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, Is that chassis. like '05, 06? It was '05. Yeah, okay. model year 05, so 2004 yeah. somewhere in that. Um, and uh, you know, we did we did some things, right? We had we were we were some of the first to do long travel air springs with that chassis and some other cool stuff like that. Um, now, now what we saw, right there, that, that 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 it didn't have the greatest commercial success at that time interesting maybe the market wasn't quite ready for something that wasn't as weight focused and wasn't free ride you know at that point there were kind of two camps right it was either free ride or cross country and there wasn't really a whole lot or downhill and so probably a much smaller camp (laughs) um and so um so you know it it, it's sort of you know, ended up kind of running its its life, and 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 we put it on the shelf. Around that kind of 2011-2012 time period, we started to see this resurgence in the appreciation for stiffness, better steering, things like that. And um, and and we said, hey, you know, that was that was that was aligned with the original inspiration for Pike back in 2000 for 2005
0: sure. and right well, 2010 2011 QR15 was becoming big and tapered yeah, steers were yeah. also becoming the norm
1: and and so uh, so that was our then inspiration for hey let's do it again Right? Cool. And let's go back and let's use that same kind of philosophy that we used to create that original version and, and uh, you know, focus it on, on, you know, really hardcore trail application. Again, right, it wasn't at that time intended to be a, a free rider enduro fork. It wasn't a lightweight cross-country fork. It was kind of like that, that trail product that, that, that just true
0: mountain bikers are going to get behind. Not just purely race-focused per Correct. se. Correct, yeah. And then enduro comes out and all of a sudden Pike could be once again described yes. as a race fork. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Cool. So then, the vivid that shot came out. There was a vivid coil, vivid air, but having a separate. I believe it was a high-speed rebound adjustment. Yes. that was pretty new to the industry. I remember yes. a lot of a, a lot of fanfare for that when it came yes. out. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. So so high sp- Yeah, beginning stroke and ending stroke rebound is what we like to refer to okay. it as. Um, but yeah, but the but the the the. the the rebound adjustments. Now, you know, historically we had uh, we had had some of that capability in some other products previous. That was our first kind of big commercial application mm-hmm. of it. Um, cool technology just really kind of confusing for a lot of people to set up properly, Mm. Um, which is one of the just, you know, for us challenges with 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 suspension is that, you know, it's 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 one thing to have a lot of adjustments on a product, but it can be an entirely different thing for the rider to be able to use them effectively and, and get the benefit. Out of it, so um, you know we always kind of look at the, the balance of those two things, right? That it's not just about throwing a bunch of knobs and twiddly bits at a at a at a product. It's about making sure it's something that 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 riders can use effectively, yeah. they can appreciate, it. it makes the riding experience better.
0: Excellent, excellent, cool. And then the last thing I wanted to ask about was the Monarch Debonair. That thing really, I I got a lot more requests when I was at Ibis, and that came out for, yeah. hey, can you use that yeah. shock on one of your bikes? And I was. You know, I got some. I definitely heard a few people asking about RockShox stuff, definitely. But that one, I noticed a lot more interest in it. So, yeah. how was it on within RockShox when that came out? So that's a really fun one because
1: so the Debonair technology was really kind of a side project of one of our engineers. And um, you know, you know, when when we do projects, right? Like, you know, we're, we're again, I, I kind of described it right. We're talking to a lot of different bike brands, people all yeah. over the world, and trying to understand. Uh, you know what's the market want and you know what are the opportunities and all that stuff and we'll do things because you know you, you kind of see where where there's commercial opportunity mm-hmm. but at the same time there's always a lot of yeah but you know on my bike I want to do this thing different right and 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 we try to give our our, our team the flexibility to, to do fun stuff like that and so the Devon air project was really one of the engineers saying you know hey like I, I, I think you know, at that point, right, having a higher volume negative air spring that has an impact over a larger percentage of stroke wasn't where the market was heading at that point. It wasn't how kinematics were being designed. It wasn't what, what any of the competitors were doing. But he felt pretty good about it and said, all right, well, you know, do it. Let's, let's see what it's like. And um, so he did it. You know, we made some. We we, we, we started riding them. We thought, eh, this, is, this is fun. Let's Let's do it and see what happens. And so uh, you know, we had a we had a fun naming session where we came up with nice. the Debonair name of just after like, hey, let's let's try putting this out into the market, see if people like it and if they do, cool. And uh and that's really kind of become what, what you know, you look around, uh, you know Sea Otter today. You look at where air spring technology is, whether it's from us or competitors. It's it's that same type of theory where it's where it's larger negative air spring volumes that have a a,
0: a, a greater impact on a larger percentage of of, uh, of the travel of the shock. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think that concludes our time for Kendall versus Kendall today with Sander Rigney of Rockshocks. Once again, stay tuned for monthly episodes. These drop here on the Jensen USA podcast channel. And if you guys have ideas for future episodes, shoot those over to Seth Kendall, skendall, at jensenusa.com or myself, and we'll see you guys for the next episode. Thank you, Sander. Thanks, Jeff. Great yeah. to meet you. Cool.